Your number one Christian hit station at the Strong Blue Line Ministries present Cop Talk. Welcome to the podcast where former San Antonio police officer, author, and pastor Tim Rupp takes you through real law enforcement scenarios and discusses excerpts from his books. This is Cop Talk at its best, and it starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Strong Blue Lines Cop Talk. I'm Tim Rupp in the Rev.FM studio in beautiful Idaho Falls, here with the station manager, Mr. Gary Austin. (laughs) Hello, Gary. Hey, Tim Rupp. How's it going? It's going well. Hey, have you seen what I have on my phone right here? Uh, No. I have the brand new, newly released, two point whatever, (laughs) 2024 Rev.FM app. Ooh. And I'm telling you what, Gary, I don't know who did this. I heard somebody in this room's responsible, and it's not me. <laughs> it's a great app, man. It's got all kinds of neat features on it. Tell us about this I'm new excited. the Rev FM app. It really does have a lot of uh, new features that the old one uh, did not. Um, it includes Cop Talk and a link to uh, the episodes, uh, streaming platforms to be able to listen uh, to the archives of uh, Cop Talk. Um, also includes a link to the strongblueline.org, and so it'll lead people there. Uh, Pastors Live, uh, the ability to uh, be able to contact the station and uh, those kind of things, this um, social media, um, and it lists the current song and the last five songs that yeah, it played. It's and, a cool app, man. So, yeah, super it's excited. So, for you it. could We're just gonna... delete your old app yeah, and go to your. Go to, and I've, I've got an uh, an iPhone, and Gary has an Android, so it works it works great on both phones. Yeah. So, whatever you have, you have an Apple, an Android, or a banana. <laughs> or a banana. It won't work on a banana, just an Apple. No. Well, if you set your phone on a banana, then it's actually working <laughs> on a banana. <laughs> and it also works on uh, CarPlay. And okay. Oh, good. Android. good. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. So, pretty cool. cool. I'll have to check that out when I get my truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, let's do the Officer Down Memorial page. We got, we, you know, yes. we're going to talk about some legal issues today. And w- when I was going to school, when they said legal issues, that sounded like a dry subject <laughs> to me, but I, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. We're going to talk exciting. about some, some interesting articles. A couple of them has come out. But before we do that, we want to honor our officers who were killed in the line of duty on this date, February 14th. You know what February 14th is, Gary? Hmm. I, I think it's Valentine's. Yeah. You, what do you mean? You think you better, you better hooked up your <laughs> wife, man. So, yes, Valentine's Happy Valentine's uh, Day, y'all. Happy Valentine's Day. And we yeah. will not be talking about the Valentine's Day Massacre, which no. maybe we should have. But we're not. <laughs> no, okay. we're good. We're good. Uh, so, Officer Down Memorial Page. I've got here Deputy, Deputy U.S. Marshal John Wilson, United States Department of Justice, United States Marshal Service. End of watch, Wednesday, February 14th, 1877. Wow. Deputy Marshal... Uh, John Wilson was shot and killed near Boone, North Carolina, while attempting to arrest a man for making illegal whiskey. Oh, my goodness. This was for well before Prohibition. This was yeah. 1877. Ah. Making illegal whiskey. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what was illegal about it then. It was before Prohibition, the tax on it. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. That, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even know about taxes back then. Anyways, it was illegal. Yeah. He exchanged shots with the man after locating him near his home, approximately five miles from, from Boone. 
The subject pretended to be wo- to be wounded, and then shot the dep- deputy marshal uh, Wilson twice after he dismounted his horse. Wow, played possum as they say. Yeah, he played possum. <laughs> shot and killed the shot and killed uh, John. Man, Wilson. the man was convicted convicted of manslaughter. Ten years in prison is all he got for murdering. Him. Oh, wow. Ten years for a Ten murder, years. you know. But a lot of time, yeah. He's here's a government man, a G man, U.S. marshal coming to the backwoods of North Carolina, and where's the trial going to be held in the backwoods of North Carolina? And all mm. them, you know. Yeah. Hey, you killed a guy. You murdered a police officer. Ten years, manslaughter. Wow. That's really nothing. It's not. It's not, mean, not much. Uh, Ten years is a long time, but in for what for. Retrospect for murder. That's a a, a police officer. Yeah, not good. Not good. What do you have, Gary? So this is Lieutenant Shirley Joe Lanning. uh, End of watch, um, February fourteenth, twenty twenty. So several years ago, ago. I could say several years ago. Yeah, Yeah. four. Wow. Interesting. Well, uh, she was killed in an automobile crash. Um, her patrol car crossed the center line and collided head on with an oncoming vehicle. Uh, the occupants of the other vehicle suffered non life threatening injuries. Mm. Um, she had served in law enforcement for 30 years and she had previously served with the Oklahoma city sheriff's office. Oh, and that, so this is Canadian County Sheriff's office in Oklahoma. Um, and she also served, um, and the University of Central Oklahoma Police Department and survived by her husband, stepson, parents, and siblings. Hmm. So, yeah, that's... Well, just, a, just a car accident. Just yeah. Cross the median. Oh, you know, yeah, it you, sounds you like she crossed she the a, center line. Yeah. yeah, so I wonder if she had a, a physical issue mm-hmm. or if it was just uh, distracted driving. And, you know, there's a lot of distractions in police cars. Yeah. You know, you got your radio, of course, and... When I was when I worked, that's about all you had. But then they came out with the MDTs, a mobile data terminal, basically a computer in the car. Mm-hmm. And so you're you got this computer, and it it got to be where uh, you were dispatched via computer. Oh, and so wow. you're always looking at the computer. You're running cars in front of you, where it used to be, you just called it into a, a dispatch mm. and ran the play, kept your eyes on the road. But now they they're able to. Uh, <clears throat> run a plate in a car and things like that, and it's easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm well, not sure what uh, happened in that, but that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I told you we're going to talk about some legal issues. The first thing I want to talk about is this Michigan uh, decision that was that came out of Pontiac, Michigan, where I don't know if you remember, Gary, This this uh, in 2021, there's a, a school shooting there. Oh, that's right, <clears throat> yes. Where, where a young man... Uh, Ethan Crumbly, 15 years old at the time of the shooting, was was a high school kid, and he shot 10 people, killing four of his classmates. So 10 people shot, four of his classmates were, were injured. Anyways, he'd gone to trial, and he's already been found guilty, and uh, he's in the uh, appellant process, so he's appealing. But this this trial just was, just came out. This is dated February 6th, so just a couple weeks ago. And uh, it says this, a Michigan, a Michigan jury convicted a school shooter's mother of involuntary manslaughter Tuesday 
in a first-of-its-kind trial to determine whether she had any responsibility in the deaths of four students in 2021. <clears throat> so, Gary, what it says this is a first-of-its-kind case. Now, if I were to go out and do something, let's say I was go out and commit murder, and <clears throat> I said, hey, Gary, I'm going to go out and murder somebody, and I know you've got a gun, so can I borrow your gun to go out and do that? Mm -hmm. And you say, sure, here, take the gun, here's some bullets, don't forget some bullets, go out and do that. And so I go out and do it. Okay, I, I committed the offense, but you would have some culpability there because I told you what I was going to do. Right. You provided me the things, and so you could be linked as an accessory mm -hmm. to the crime. So you would be, you could be uh, convicted of uh, manslaughter or murder or something like that along with me. Now, if I came to you and said, hey, Gary, can I, can I borrow a gun from you? You say, yeah, well, what do you need my gun for? I'm going to go hunting. And do you have some bullets? Sure. Okay. Be careful, Tim. Mm -hmm. And I go out and I kill somebody with, with your gun. And they come back and said, you know, hey, he told me he's going hunting. I didn't know anything about this. Then you wouldn't have any you couldn't be charged with a crime mm. because you were not a part of that part of that, yeah. part of that commission. So, but here's, here's a, a mom that's being convicted, being responsible for the death of these four students. Now this case, all we have is what's in, uh, uh, the uh, article here. So we don't mm -hmm. have the whole, the whole story, but I thought this was a very interesting case. And it says this, Pro prosecutors say Jennifer Crumbly, that is Ethan's mother, Jennifer, was grossly negligent. <clears throat> so that is a legal term, grossly negligent. To be negligent, criminally speaking, is you should have been aware of, of the result, but it happened anyways. Mm. Let me explain it uh, this way. Let's say you're driving your, your pickup truck and you're your 10-year-old kid says, Daddy, I want to ride in the back of the pickup truck. Okay, jump on in, and you go speeding 70 miles an hour down the road and swerving back and forth, mm -hmm. and you hit a bump, and he gets ejected and killed. It's like, that's gross negligence, if not reckless. Yeah. You know, and so you would for be sure. criminal response for that. Now, it's different if you, you know, you put your son in a seatbelt, or even if you put him in the truck, you set him in the back, and you say, sit down there, I don't want you to, you know, you sit down because it's dangerous, ride back here, and you're driving, and it hits a bump, and ejects him out, and he gets, gets injured or killed. That may lead to negligence. It depends on a lot of things. There. Mm -hmm. so, there, you know, so there's some responsibility. But it says that she was grossly negligent when she failed to tell Oxford High School that the family had guns, including a 9mm handgun that her son, Ethan, used at, at a shooting range on the weekend before the November 30th, 2021 attack. So they're saying that she was grossly negligent because she didn't tell the school that they had guns hmm. and that she took him to shoot the weekend before the attack. Okay, so that, that sparked a question in my mind. Uh-huh, mine too. It says here, the jury, six men, six men and six women, including some gun owners or people who grew up with guns, begin deliberations Monday morning. They sent a note to the judge that afternoon asking if they can infer anything from prosecutors not presenting Ethan Crumley or others to explain specifically how we got access 
to a gun at home to shoot up the Oxford High School. This bothered me. The, the jury, the, the uh, judge would not let Ethan Crumley testify. Hmm. You know, he could have testified for or against his mom. Yeah. But he wouldn't allow it to be done. And it says in others were not allowed to testify. So that, like, why didn't the judge allow others to testify? Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the answer is no. Oakland County Judge Cheryl Mash- Matthews said, "You're only allowed to consider the evidence that was admitted in the case." Hmm. Prosecutors say Jennifer Crumley had a duty under Michigan law to prevent her son, who was 15 at the time, from harming others. She accused she's accused of failing to secure a gun and the ammunition at home while failing to, to and failing to get help for her son's mental health. Now that's assuming that assumes that she that her son had a mental health condition, and that the mother knew about it. Mm-hmm. On the morning of November thirtieth, twenty twenty one, school staff members were concerned. So this was the morning of the shooting. It says staff members were concerned about a violent drawing of a gun, bullet, and wounded man, accompanied by desperate. Uh, uh, phrases on Ethan Crumley's math assignment. Now that is a giant red flag. It is absolutely. Teachers, we've seen this before, where yep. kids will draw something and then act it out. So good for the teachers. They said, "Hey, we're concerned draw about attention." This. Yeah, they drew attention to it. Exactly. That's exactly what they should want. Then it says he was allowed to stay in school following a meeting with his parents, who didn't take him home. Now he was allowed to stay in school. Who allows a kid to stay in school? The, the parents or the school, the school administrators? The school. The, I mean, on one hand, you could say both. Because the school, you're, if you're allowed to stay in school, it's up to the school administrators. You're exactly right, Gary. Right. Now, the parents could pull them out if they want to. They could. You can't force they them. Could. But no. the school administrators, so they he was allowed to stay in school. So that begs the question, do they have any responsibility? You know, And I wouldn't think so, but... That's that's tough. I mean, they, that's they, they addressed the issue. They looked. They thought about it. It was concerning. Here it is. A few hours later, Ethan pulled a handgun from his backpack and shot ten students and a teacher, killing four peers. No one had je- checked the backpack. Why hmm. didn't they just go check his backpack? Yeah, which they could have. They, they can could, do that. They can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, "Well, you got a you got a right to privacy." No, you don't. Not no. in a school. No, you're a child. You come on school. Once you go into that school, you're you're giving. It's implied that you're given consent. Yep. And so, as soon as you get on school property, the principal or whoever his designee or designee is can check your backpack. Yeah, and that's private and public. I mean, that's yes, it, yes. it doesn't. That's just that, school policy. Yeah, that 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 school that you give up your right. It's just like if you go to uh, a football game, right? And you pay it's, to get. I'm paying to get in. Well, you don't have a right to be here. Yep. And if you're just going to get on an airplane, yep. they're going to they're going to check your backpack. Yep. You know, and you, you can't check the backpack of every kid. But when this happened, there were they were concerned enough to call the parents mm-hmm. and have a, a a conference with the parents. Why didn't they check his backpack? Exactly. Yeah. I would have gone checked his backpack, checked his locker if he had one or whatever. <clears throat> you know, patted him down, checked. You know, ask mom, dad, hey, check, make sure they didn't have guns on him. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it. So. And then the the uh, the gun was a six hour nine millimeter. His father James Crumley purchased with him 
just four days earlier. So the weekend before they bought this pistol, nine millimeter pistol, Jennifer Comley took her son to the shooting range that same weekend. Now, <clears throat> the way this article is written, it's like there's something negative about that, Gary. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with buying a firearm for your son or your daughter. 15 years old is plenty old enough to be responsible. Uh, right. I agree. <clears throat> and then took her to his son to the shooting range. Well, you probably ought to do that. That's, yeah. That's that how they learn. They, yeah. they learn gun safety and stuff. Mm-hmm. And do they learn how to shoot a gun? Yeah. Yeah. A gun's a tool. You don't want it. But. And then the, the assistant prosecutor said this, you're the last adult to have possession, to have possession of that gun. Uh, Mark Keith said, while cross-examining Jennifer Crumley last week, you saw your son shoot the last practice round before the school shooting of November 30th. You saw how he stood. You knew how he used the gun. You knew he knew how to use the gun. The teen's uh, mom replied, yes, he did. Ethan, now 17 years old, pleaded guilty to murder and terrorism and is a serving life sentence. Prosecutors were not required to call him as a witness to try to prove their case against uh, Jennifer Crumley. Now, mm. it says prosecutors weren't required to call. That, that bothers me. That does me too. It's like I said, when, <clears throat> if I use your gun to go out and murder somebody, and then they say, well, they got the gun. He, Tim got the gun from Gary, so let's charge Gary as well. And you say, ask Tim. He said I was gonna, I, he was going to go hunting. Mm-hmm. And no, we're, we're not going to call him. Yeah. How is that that's, right? Mm, that, that's, you know, that is very disturbing to me. You know, and, and <clears throat> it, it could have been that they locked it. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, her lawyer argued last week that the teen actually might be able to help her defense. It didn't matter. The judge kept him off the witness stand because attorneys for Ethan Crumley said he would cite his right to remain silent. He might appeal his sentence. Hmm. <clears throat> Says he still might appeal. Because he may appeal? You don't call him? Yeah. <laughs> and the judge couldn't give him a, a immunity from anything that he said during that case. The judge could have done that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Jennifer and James Crumley are the first parents in the U.S. to be charged in a mass school shooting committed by their child. James Crumley, 47, faces trial in March. Jennifer Crumley, the mom says, the dad, he's going to go to trial uh, next month. Jennifer Crumley told jurors that it was her husband's job to keep track of the gun. Boy, throwing her husband under the bus. Exactly. She also said they saw no signs of mental distress. But, you know, it very well could have been. He could have said, don't worry, honey, I took care of it. You know, mm-hmm. he won't, so I, I don't know what went on there. Right, right. All the guns in my house, I've 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 got them locked up. My yep. wife has Same access here. to them, but I, you know, I, I've got them. I've got them taken care of. Yep. Uh, she also said that she she saw no signs of mental distress in her son. So, mom says, "Hey, I didn't know he had any mental mental problems." Right, which is interesting. You know, there's a couple things here, Tim, that I uh, was thinking about, and. One of those is um, that I remember reading some things on this case, and uh, Ethan would tell his parents that he was hearing voices in his head, or he would send texts and say, you know, those voices are bothering me again today. And his mom would respond of, oh, those darn voices. 
And so that, and that became part of a part of this case where they said, well, you were aware of his mental, uh, capacity and his mental, uh, uh, whereabouts, but she was like, well, it was just kind of, it kind of became a joke, you know, that he wasn't serious. He would just joke about it. It's like, well, it, it sounds like he did suffer from some things there and, and it, it, yeah. it's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to bring that up. And like you said, Tim, I think that had she known there, the, the, I've, to me, there's a difference for Ethan to say, Hey mom and dad, here's, here's what I'm planning to do. And they say nothing. Mm-hmm. That is culpability. That is, you were aware of his plans and you said nothing. But on the other hand, it's like you say, um, convenience stores have been charged because they sold alcohol to right. the person. You know, and they, they go out and drink it, get drunk, exactly. and they hit something, kill somebody. Yeah. So and that's it, tough. It, it's, it's, it's a tough case. I think it's a, it's a wrong path to go down. I do too. It's, you know, it's terrible because we had four people who were killed. Yeah. Who's responsible? 15 year old boys responsible. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one that did that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> Mom and dad, they bought guns. What did they know? And like I said, we'll, we're only reading from here. There could be overwhelming evidence oh, that we're yes. not looking at. They're like, oh my goodness, we would have convicted him too. Yeah. It took a jury. It didn't say it was a hung jury. So you mm-hmm. had 12 jury members. And I'm not sure in Michigan, but in, in, in Texas and, and in Idaho, you, know, you got to have 12, say, Yes, guilty. Yeah. You have one, and in some, some jurisdictions, it's nine, but usually in felony cases, it's usually 12 for 12. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they had some evidence. I, I'm not sure why others, especially in this type of case, I think she may have went on a pill because of what you know, the judge didn't allow some people to testify. Mm. But we're going to see, we're going to see if what's, what plays out uh, with that. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible case, no, no matter what happens. And then again, you have somebody hearing voices and the knee jerk re- re- response is it's a mental health issue. could be a spiritual health issue. Yeah. You know, Good. it's like, well, why are we seeing this more and more? Well, there's more darkness, Yep. spiritual I, darkness in our country than there ever has been. Yes. And you have said that, uh, time and time again, uh, Tim, and that's something I've learned, uh, from you, um, that, these these voices it's it's a, that is a spiritual issue yeah it's so we need I i'm not agree. saying that that people cannot have schizophrenic problems and and hear right, things and right and, and i'm not saying that at all let's be very clear that i'm not mm-hmm. saying anytime somebody has a problem it's it's all spiritual it's not mental right i believe that there are physical health issues there are mental health issues yeah and there are spiritual health issues mm-hmm. and they're all three interconnect because we're body soul and spirit and yep. so there's there's overlap, uh, but uh, there's deep concern that uh, from 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 the dark side, from the, uh, uh, wickedness mm-hmm. and, and demonic forces and stuff. So, and we're not going to be able to get to the other one because we're out of time, Gary Austin. Wow, that was we'll, fast. We'll, yeah, we'll get to it next time. That'll be good. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. If it's a topic question you want to address on Cop Talk, send me an email. And remember, you can send them email straight to that new Rev.fm yes. app. Get the new app. It's cool. 
You can email suggestions, questions, comments, or complaints to coptalk at the rev.fm. That's coptalk at the rev.fm. Thought from the good book today? The righteous, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. Thank you for joining us, and remember, help us to make the thin blue line a strong blue line. Cop Talk is brought to you by the Strong Blue Line Ministries. Visit thestrongblueline.org to learn how you can support them and this podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome by email to coptalk at therev.fm. Follow, listen, and leave a review of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. Cop Talk is produced and edited by Gary Austin and a Rev FM production. Thank you for joining us on Cop Talk.